Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. So we've covered 22 episodes, and we've had guests from across the legal profession. We've heard from entrepreneurs, academics, thought leaders, and folks with a variety of perspectives, ranging from in-house to big law and back. So we thought now, as we're in the heart of the summer, would be a good time to look backwards and pull out a few key themes from our initial set of conversations. So while we give our guests a summer break, we're doing a three-part recap series where I share some of my favorite moments from the podcast so far and some thoughts from my own journey that were triggered by conversations with our guests. These recaps will be shorter than the regular episodes, but we think and we hope you'll find them equally rich with insights. Last week, we talked about innovation, what it is and what it means to our guests. In today's topic, though, we're going to talk about the role of storytelling in the innovation journey. You know, if you've ever read a book to a child or become immersed in a fictional world, you know the power of storytelling and the impact it has on people. I used to read my kids' stories every night before they went to bed. And even now, 30 years later, I can still pretty much recite the story of PJ Funny Bunny verbatim to my granddaughter from having read it to her mother for so long. And when I used to travel so much for work, I would always bring a book to have the time pass instead of being locked up in the metal cylinder all that time. But it's not just about pictures and words, the art of storytelling. We can tell stories in a variety of ways. So for example, we can look at data, what story it tells us, how do we visualize that data? Back when I used to have management responsibilities, I would talk to people about the numbers are important, but it's about the stories they tell you, not just the numbers themselves that are important. Because stories are a tool for passing on knowledge and cultural values and norms, and they tell you about the journey of other people and what meanings they have for you specifically. They can be used to explore and resolve conflict, to make novel ideas more accessible. They build strong memories and make knowledge easier to retrieve and reduce resistance and anxiety. I think it's one of the reasons why many newspaper writers, reporters, when talking about a big issue or a big event that's occurred, will usually start with a specific person and tell the story of the specific person because it brings home the big concept, the big idea that they're trying to communicate. And it should be obvious to anyone that as we deal with change and as we talk about innovation, we're talking at the core about change and a change journey and how we manage that change. That as we manage that change in large groups of people, one of the tools being used in that is storytelling. And I think that's why many of our pioneers and Pathfinders guests have tended to be excellent storytellers and make such fantastic guests. And for a podcast about personal journeys, it's not surprising that storytelling has been a theme. So for this week's recap, we're going to go a little meta and talk about the role of storytelling in change. Let's start with Jason Barnwell, who's done extensive writing and thinking about storytelling. He talks about storytelling as a powerful change management tool. Now, as lawyers, we tend to think about the bits and pieces of particular issues. We're good at getting down into the weeds on certain issues. We're not always that good about moving back and looking at the big picture and looking at the overall viewpoint. And Jason, as Microsoft has been implementing what they call modern legal, has found a way through storytelling to communicate that big picture, to communicate the big story. Here's what he had to say about how he uses storytelling in modern legal and why he has assigned a role for storytelling on his team. 
here, I'm going to give away the secret. So my team is very small. There's just three of us. The roles that we have. So we have a storyteller and her job is fundamentally to access the communications mechanisms that we have internally. And fundamentally what she does is she makes heroes. We find mm -hmm. people who typify like the future state who are doing really interesting, impactful work, who've, you know, we also love to find a somewhat dramatic arc, like somebody who's like struggling with something, like, you know, a little bit of drama helps, but fundamentally, it does, it does right? Like we're just human. Yeah. But fundamentally what she does is she shines a light on people who are doing interesting work and are overcoming things. And it helps other people who are like, oh, well, that's my peer. Like that's somebody who, you know, in normal time sits down the hall from me or has problems that are like mine. And then people start to realize like, oh, this is relevant for me too. This is not that tribe over there. And so we literally have a, a, the role we call, we call her a storyteller. And, you know, she does a whole lot of other amazing things too. But the most powerful thing she does is she manufactures heroes systematically. Jason didn't say whether or not his storyteller is a lawyer, but it's important to note the emphasis, not just on drama and making heroes, but doing it systematically. And baking it into the process of change is a type of cultural breadcrumb. This resonated with me because we talk at SciFarth about change champions and people who can advocate change. But there really are people who've had success in thinking differently or applying different methodologies or solving problems differently for their clients, telling their story to others. And we found this has a powerful impact, particularly on lawyers. Now, whether that's because it breaks down skepticism or plays into lawyers' competitive genes or more traditional issues, whatever the reason, it's been a powerful part of our journey and a powerful part of the journey of many of our guests. One of those guests was Dr. Larry Richard. Larry also touched on storytelling during our conversation, but he talked about it as a tool leaders can use to build engagement. Here he talks about how humans are hardwired to make meaning and that it's the job of leaders to tell them why their effort matters and connect their effort to impact. We are meaning-making machines. Human beings need to feel like what I do matters. I make a difference in some way. And some people are more articulate about it than others. Some people think about it a lot. Some people think about it not at all until you poke them on the shoulder. But no matter what end of that spectrum people are on, everybody has a hardwired need to make meaning. And so those of us who are leaders in our organizations can consciously think, how do we train our people? How do we role model for our people? How do we mentor? How do we supervise people? And when we do those things, can we do it in a way that draws out the experience of, here's a link between what you did, this, you know, get me a memo, a legal memorandum by 4 p.m. today, and here's how that data is going to be used. Here's the consequences of what you did. Here's how it plays out in the client's context. Here's why it matters. Here's why what you did made a difference. The more, and it's a simple thing. In some cases, it takes less time to do than it just took me to explain it. So helping people to draw connections between what they do and the effect that it has for the better is a very important thing and it builds engagement. Not only the connecting piece, but it's also important that the person who's in the supervisory role doing that connecting have a very supportive, I've got your back kind of a mindset when they do that. I mean, if I'm a supervisor and I say, you know, I went to this damn seminar and I got to show you the, the, you know, the effect of your work. So here's the damn effect of your work. 
have a nice day. That's not really going to get the benefit that we were hoping for of meaning right. and purpose. It has to be an attitude where the person who's being supervised or mentored feels like, boy, I, I can't believe I'm so fortunate that the person who is helping me really genuinely cares about my having a meaningful work experience. That, that's what makes the difference. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that's the audience. Specifically, we're talking about an audience of lawyers. Our pioneers tend to have a keen understanding of the traits of lawyers and tend to be very skilled at navigating them. I want to go back to Jason because he talked about how he navigates the lawyer's natural skepticism by appealing to the need for social connection. However, you can take advantage of some of the other traits that they have. Specifically, so I think you're right that that lawyers are specifically skeptical of speculative investment, right? Like they really love sure things. They do not. It's like, well, is this going to work? Well, like, well, you know, fifty percent. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. But what they also don't like is being left behind and and being seen as irrelevant. Yes. And so it's. I'm not a big fan of inspiring people with anxiety. However. Um, I'm not, you know, look, we work with what we've got. And so one of the things that we, we try to do with our storytelling is to normalize certain behaviors. So to make people feel like, oh, well, if you're not part of where the tribe is going, that has risk attached too, because what we don't want people to feel is that inaction is not a choice, right? Because when when you decide not to move with the tribe, you are making a choice and that has consequences. And I don't think that we do people a service by pretending it's the other thing. You're absolutely right. They need to understand that stasis is not an option. We also touched on the audience of lawyers in my conversation with Jay Young. She and I did a lot of work together on culture building when she was at Seifarth. And in many ways, we grew together in our ability to tell stories about tech and data and process improvement in ways that lawyers could understand that, that hopefully inspired them. Here in our conversation, we touch on the need to be audience-centric, and that sometimes means less information presented more succinctly rather than more. That's one of the challenges of dealing with lawyers. They don't necessarily think about it from the consumer, the information standpoint, the client standpoint, the other people standpoint. They're thinking what they want to communicate as opposed to what the client or the potential client wants to hear or needs to hear. Have you encountered that? I assume you've encountered that, as have I, over your years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you'll remember many, many examples of this. And I wasn't always so good at it because often, you know, you are the one saying they don't need to know that. That's not critical to their understanding. That's not relevant to them. And I would always want to kind of overload your talks with interesting information. Like, no, I think it's really important. So I, I really think it's not a lawyer issue. I think in every field where, you know, it's really knowledge and expertise, that's part of the value proposition where you have highly skilled folks trying to explain complex things to a audience of lay people. I think you see that all the time. I mean, scientific papers are, are not accessible. Even like kind of pop culture science, you know, literature is, is not always very audience centric. A lot of it is you know, author centric. And then so I think that that's not unique to lawyers. We see it a lot because we live among lawyers. But yeah, I think you see it now as the 
allied professional communities and legal are maturing, you see some of those tendencies with the pricing community, for example. There's a lot of technicals around legal services pricing that really line partners don't need to know. And distilling that down to the bits that partners would find useful is, I think, an important mark of effectiveness in a pricing professional. So I think you see that all the time. And even with processor, especially in technology, especially in legal technology, how the technology works is not very relevant to the users, the end users of the technology. They it's have to trust that. At all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I see it all the time. You know, we encounter storytelling in our everyday life. Marketing is an example of that. You can think about the car advertisements of the family in the SUV that keeps looking for a location outside a cell phone range so they can find a place to get together. And we imply and imagine the fun they're going to have camping beside the riverbank. Implicit storytelling is an important tool in marketing ideas and concepts. And Michelle DiStefano made a strong and what to me was a surprising and interesting case for the connection between marketing and lawyering. I think law and marketing are really, really similar. In what way? Well, in both, your job is to understand why people are behaving a certain way or thinking a certain way, and then try to actually develop a strategy to change the way they think or behave or prevent them from behaving a certain way or get them to behave differently. It's exactly what you do, for example, when you're trying to get people to eat Pop-Tarts instead of toaster strudel. Uh, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought about it that way. So we could send everybody to marketing school as well as going to law school, huh? Oh, I think we'd all be better lawyers if we all went to marketing school. Probably so. And not just storytelling, but selling. Now, let's be honest, that's an objectionable word to most lawyers. We didn't go into the law to be salespeople. But lawyers are trained to be storytellers. I grew up as an employment trial lawyer and recognized early on that when presenting your case to a jury, the lawyer who is best able to tell a story, one that could tell the most coherent version of the facts, often was going to win the case. So why don't we transition that concept, which I think lawyers understand and embrace, to the business side of the law? I think it's because as lawyers, we don't fancy ourselves as salespeople. We think of it as advocacy as opposed to sales. But in order to lead change, you have to sell a vision or an idea. You have to create a story that people can see themselves being a part of. So they will say yes, or at least avoid saying no to what you have to offer. Take, for example, this snippet from Joe Borstein, who shared with us how important it is to be able to talk people off the ledge, particularly in the early days of Pangea 3. I mean, the conversations I had in the first couple of years were hilarious. The idea that you would outsource part of litigation work with some of the most confidential information in the world to India was, look, it's how I learned how to sell. You had to convince people of something that was extremely outside of what they thought was reasonable, often what they thought was even legal. Uh, I spent a lot of time walking through the ethical rules, and uh, we were lucky enough to have a recent ABA opinion. I had to know it line by line and be able to say, look, let's put that to bed. This is ethical. Now let's talk about whether there's a business benefit for you. And in the beginning, it was so offensive to law firms that a huge part of my job, when we were thrust upon law firms by corporate counsel, which is usually how it started, was to talk them off a ledge and to explain that this was actually going to be a good experience. Mostly, we've been talking about storytelling in the context of the workplace and leading change within organizations. 
But storytelling also performs an important function in building community. I talked extensively with Alex Sue about how he uses social media to share his personal story and build an audience of like-minded people. This really helps those who are trying to find their way in the legal ecosphere, but don't know much beyond the traditional confines of practice. Let's listen into Alex for a minute. Yeah, you don't fully know what will resonate with people when you create content. We all have our own stories. We all have our own paths. And I think that we can all relate to one another because a lot of our stories are tied together, especially in the law. Everyone goes through law school. It's a challenging process. Many of us are the first lawyers in our families. Many of us, for, for example, uh, my parents were immigrants. I never imagined I would be a lawyer. And so I think that story, that part of my background has always resonated with a group of people who, who were in similar positions. So when you create content, when you create videos, it's always funny when I put it out, but the real message is it can be hard when you don't have the network. I think it's hard when you, when you have trouble finding mentors and sponsors within a firm to move up and progress. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why there's challenges in, in diversity uh, in law firms. So, so when you put out that content, when I put out that content and, and make jokes about it, on the one hand, it's funny, but on the other hand, it really speaks to a very large segment of our profession where, you know, maybe today they're struggling and trying to make partner, but maybe they've moved on and they've gone in-house, they've worked in government because the law firm environment was not friendly to them and their background. There's a reaction that people have to that. And so we all are connected in that way. And I don't think it's, it's really limited to people who struggle in, in law firms. I think it's, it's, it's anywhere. So by putting out that content, it brings the community together of like-minded and like-thinking types of people. And it's really been something that's just resonated with folks that I never imagined would resonate at this level. So that's it for today's recap. I hope you found something of value. If you only remember one thing, remember that your stories should make heroes of other people, not yourself. Again, I want to thank all of our fantastic guests. And I want to thank all of you for listening in. Join us next week for a recap episode on the path less taken. Or what if I went to law school and discovered that being a practicing lawyer wasn't for me? Thanks a lot and have a great week.